You know, last summer I read a book, The, uh, the Guns of August. Mm. I wish every man on that blockade line read that book. It's World War I. 13 million killed. It was all because the militaries of both alliances believed they were so highly attuned to one another's movements and dispositions, they could predict one another's intentions. But all the theories were based on the last war. And the world and technology had changed and those lessons were no longer valid. But it was all they knew, so the orders went out. Couldn't be rescinded. And your man in the field, his family at home, they couldn't even tell you the reasons why their lives were being destroyed. But why couldn't they stop it? What could they have done? Here we are, 50 years later. I think one of their ships uh, resists the inspection. And we shoot out its rudder and board. They shoot down one of our planes in response. So we bomb their anti-aircraft sites in response to that. They attack Berlin. So we invade Cuba. and they fire their missiles. And we fire ours. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Modern History HSC podcast. This is going to be our second debate on who is the greatest U.S. Cold War president. Now, for our U.S. audience, I know that there is going to be uh, some heated feelings about who is the best U.S. president, and we're just a couple of Australian boys and girls which are going to be debating it, hopefully looking at this from an outside angle. So hopefully we do this particular debate justice. Um, Today, my guests are Sam, Lachlan, and Tom. And they're all going to be revealing their pick as they go. And quite personally, I haven't actually made my decision yet. So I'm hoping from this discussion, I can be swayed and knocked off the fence in either way. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. I'm going to let the boys go through and give a little bit of a quick introduction and say who they picked. They won't go into too much detail straight away. They'll save that for the argument. And then we'll see how we go from there. So I'm going to start off with Sam. How you going, Sam? Yeah, not too bad. Hey, everybody, I'm Sam, and I personally will be focusing on Truman, who I believe to be the most influential president throughout the series of the Cold War. Cool, thank you. And Lachlan? Hi, I'm Lachlan, and I've picked JFK as the most influential president throughout the Cold War. Oh, very good. And Thomas. Hi, my name's Tom. We're going to have a bit of a 2v1 here because I've also picked um, Kennedy as the most influential US president throughout the Cold War. Okay, so we've got Truman, Kennedy, and yeah, I might have to... Again, I was actually not leaning towards those two people. I'm kind of on the fence for Nixon and Reagan. So... I'm going to take Reagan, okay, as mine. I'm going to I'm going to get off the fence into that boat. But you guys are here to lead the discussion. So, Sam, you're up against you got two people coming up against you. So, why is Truman the most influential US president in your mind? Well, for me, just looking at the facts, um 
Truman seemed to have uh, had his played his part in more um, like doctrines and and laws and just events throughout the Cold War, especially in ramping it up in the beginning. To um, to me, he practically forced the Cold War through his ag- like aggression and his pushback to communism, and he's trying to like he tried to roll back um, communism into other uh, countries and stuff because he wanted America and the the capitalist state that it was to be more influential and take more power across other countries throughout the world. So I think he personally had the biggest impact in the Cold War due to his uh, attempt to influence other countries and roll back communism with force. All right, let's have one of our Kennedy boys as maybe a bit of a rebuttal to that. So, Lachlan, what do you say to that? Um, I think Kennedy was a bit more thing because during the Cold War, there was like events that happened where Russia could have gained a, like upper hand, which Kennedy was able to prevent them from um, ha- gaining this like during the arms race where Russia was trying to put nuclear weapons in Cuba. So Kennedy preventing that, stopping Russia from gaining upper hand, allowed them to stop um like russia from being more dominant in during the cold war and as well as um like the space race which is another key event in the cold war uh america was also one like was able to put the first men on the moon which like enabled them to um gain an upper hand in the cold war so I think my pushback for that is that if we're being nitty gritty about the first man on the moon, like Kennedy is not the president when the first man lands on the moon. That's uh, Richard Nixon. Oh, I thought it was Kennedy. No, like he's got no. that big. He's got that big speech where it's like, you know, we choose to go to the moon. We're we're in this race. Um, Tom, what did you want to say? You want to clarify? Kennedy's your choice. Yeah. Yeah, so he had the "We Choose to Go to the Moon" speech and sort of um, started the U.S. ramping up their, I don't know, space race ambitions to get onto the moon. And I don't know, I feel like that was really important, like not just in the fact that they then won, went on to win the space race, but because of the fact that Kennedy was, you know, putting a lot of money into it. And something we don't really see nowadays with um, presidents trying to like set goals beyond their, um, beyond their um, leadership their turn um, so uh, yeah 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 sam what do you reckon so they're they're proposing brinkmanship cuban missile crisis kennedy coming in ramping up the space race and you've said that the most important part is um right after world war Two, um america's the only country that has the atomic bomb they're coming into Europe with the Marshall Plan. They're trying to contain communism. You think that's the most important? Yeah, well, personally, I think, obviously, the events that Kennedy took part in were were big and they were impactful on the Americans, like, on America. But without Truman, um, Truman's adoption of an anti-Soviet attitude and without his forced to try and roll back communism from other countries in the first place, I think 
the communism would have spread um, throughout uh, surrounding countries and it would have been a lot more powerful before um, Kennedy came into presidency. So I don't think, I think without Truman, Kennedy would have had a completely different ball uh, to um, figure out and to fight back. I think it would have been, other countries would have grouped up and become too powerful for uh, America to single-handedly take on. And that's why I think Truman, with his, um, uh, the stuff that he did and the establishing of the stronger military and stuff for America, I think that gave them the upper hand in the long run. Yeah, so you're sort of saying that um, by, I don't know, his, his um, impact on the sort of Cold War tensions and the geopolitical tensions and the I don't know, um, tensions between the two economic systems, he sort of set up the whole Cold War and um, made it what it was. Yeah, so I, I think he's the, his creation of the um, anti-Soviet policy with the Truman Plan and the America's um, choice to send supplies to East Berlin just after the war against the Soviet blockade, um, those particular tensions uh, allowed the eruption that we now know as the Cold War. Um, uh, it saw direct military conflict between the Soviet Union and America. However, because of the American policy of containment, the Cold War saw several proxy wars. And I think, like with the Korean War, the Vietnam War, were all um, large events, impactful events throughout the Cold War. Right. Can I just throw in a question? So, Truman, Berlin airlift. Could have ended up in World War Three very easily. All his generals were saying, you just have to go in. And he's negotiated a non-violent approach and avoids World War Three. Kennedy, Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, if you've watched the film 13 Days, you know that all his generals again want to do want to invade Cuba, and they're happy to push it to the very brink of, you know, let's see if the Russians back down if we're aggressive enough, and they come up with the blockade instead who i guess came up with the best solution for avoiding world war three kennedy or truman well you know i'd probably say kennedy because you know i'm i'm sitting in that way and i guess um by by negotiating with khrushchev and i guess um like you know agreeing to take missiles out of um Greece and Turkey and stuff in return for the missiles being taken out of Cuba and sort of agreeing to give Cuba its um, freedom without the fear of invasion from the United States again. Um, he sort of um, allowed a bit of a, um, a bit more breathing space between the two, you know, because I'm pretty sure the, they had about a 30-minute wait between missiles from, say, Moscow to the United States and from the United States to Russia. But with um, missiles in Cuba, it was reduced down to like five minutes. So there was a lot of tension there. And his resolution sort of allowed a bit of peace. And on the other side of that, also sort of set up the Sino-Soviet split because of the fact that Mao Zedong was then displeased with Khrushchev for not pushing for harsher, I don't know, um, terms to their negotiation as well. See, so what do you reckon? Do you think Cuban Missile Crisis is a bigger 
I guess, knife edge sort of scenario compared to the Berlin airlift. I mean, like, the Russian army is still all in the centre of Europe. This is only just very recently after World War Two. You've got, like, massive land armies just sitting there ready to go. Um, and the Americans have the atomic bomb. Yeah, yeah. Look, I see where Tom's come from with the Cuban Missile Crisis, with the tension only being five minutes away. That's It is pretty scary for a president. But uh, personally, I think that Truman, with these uh, growing tension with the Soviets, the airlift was just um, most impactful, I think. Like, I understand, it, looking at it of the sense of, total uh, world destruction, obviously, maybe the Cuban Missile Crisis, if nukes and stuff would be let go, like it could have completely wiped out whole countries. But in looking at it, um, at a timeline perspective, Truman and the airlift um, just put pressure on, on Berlin and put pressure on the rival countries around them to show that they were still top dog, they were still like the most to be feared, and obviously they had the upper hand of the um, nuclear bomb or, or atomic bomb already. So, yeah, that's what I reckon. Lachlan, what do you think? You sticking with Cuba? Yeah, I'm sticking with that. I just feel like during Kennedy's reign, like, there's a lot of tension, and, like, he was able to, like, lower it. Like, because, like, with the Cuban Missile Crisis... If that um, if they were to launch it, they would like as Tom said, it would only be like a matter of minutes. So they would not have been able to like respond enough to, in to like have a retaliation. Therefore, Russia would have won. So there would be there's so much tension built up from that, and with them being able to agree to terms, I feel like Kennedy was able to lower the tension, which sort of had a he had had some sort of impact on the Cold War, like like had had a significant effect. The Berlin Wall. Kennedy um, doesn't push back on the construction of the Berlin Wall. In fact, he's quoted as saying he prefers a Berlin Wall to a war. The Berlin Wall stands out as an important, I guess, scar or symbol of the Cold War, basically to the very end until it's torn down under Reagan. Do you think this diminishes or improves Kennedy's, I guess, impact in him not pushing back on, like, the construction of this wall? What do you think, Tom? Does it? Do you think that downgrades his position? Do you think that's strategically, like, a, like a great move or a necessity? Um... I don't know. It was probably a all right move and a lot of a necessity too because of the fact that they were sort of coming a lot of, a lot of issues between the US and Russia were coming to a head in Berlin there and um sort of the the thing I see as like the reason I see Kennedy as being sort of the the best leader throughout the whole of the Cold War from like the US side is the fact that he sort of you go have the Cold War amping up like ramping up before Kennedy and sort of Kennedy sort of also then the first person to sort of um, start trying to negotiate peace. And, um, you know, he's quoted for saying that the 
the, the peace of all nations or something is the responsibility of all nations and that um, leaders are now willing to, you know, talk about peace for fear of getting destroyed or whatever. So he's sort of the first tipping point where everyone starts to go into detente and whatnot and negotiate peace while also he's there trying to also um, give America the edge with the space race and the arms race and, you know, getting the first man to the moon and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he's trying to engage in these um, other forms of sort of um, competition like the like the space race instead of engaging in the conflict with the with Russia and the the Berlin Wall sort of suggests that as well as the fact that he's also now trying to sort of um, head towards um, peace in a way. Sam, what do you reckon? Not pushing back on the Berlin Wall, good thing, bad thing in the end. Yeah, look, um, I think probably at the current time it was a good thing because it obviously did put them into that the beginning stage of the detente and the tension started cooling off between uh, the Soviets and the Americans. But probably if it wasn't Kennedy in that position, I reckon. Uh, obviously, events would have been a lot different if it, say, was, was Truman or the future president in Reagan. I think we could have seen uh, a third world war break out and it was, would most likely have been pretty devastating. Yeah, okay. Rightio, well, so the duo's seeding a little bit of ground. Righto, I'm going to come in and throw in some ideas about Reagan because we can't just... Talk, this can't be the Truman and Kennedy show. <laughs> There's a lot of other presidents, and I need to know why you didn't pick any of these other presidents. So, actually, before we go to Reagan, let's have a look at Eisenhower, and then I want to rebuff or a challenge back from then why you didn't choose him. So, you have Eisenhower, 1953 to 1961. He negotiates the end of the Korean War, okay, which is um, civil war which the United States gets involved in. Um, it also drags in the Chinese as well. Lots of people die and ends up being a stalemate and a separation of the country in the end. Um, fair enough to say a lot of um, pointless death happens and Eisenhower ends that. Then you have the domino theory. So he brings in his idea of forward defence which is then picked up by a lot of other countries, including Australia. Um, he supports a coup in Iran, and he oversees the split of Vietnam into North and South, setting up the tension for the Vietnam War. And he's also going to respond to the Sputnik launch with the first launch of the um, USA's first ISIS ICBM missile. So, why did nobody pick Eisenhower, Lachlan? Um, I'm not sure. I guess I sort of like know a bit more and felt more comfortable with Ke like learning about like Kennedy and stuff. I didn't know too much on Eisenhower, so I didn't really pick him for that reason. Okay, now you've heard all that information. Does it change your mind? Uh, I'm not too sure. Okay, Sam, what do you reckon? Sticking with Truman? Yeah, I'll probably stick with Truman. Look, with the facts um, behind Eisenhower, like he did have the forward defence in domino theory, 
and he was also against communism, but the I feel the events he took part in weren't as um, over time going to be as impactful as Truman's, I think. Look, with the launch of the, their own um, spacecraft, look, I reckon Kennedy or any of the other future presidents could have done the same, as well as his um, disengagement with the war. I think any president with a with a brain could have seen what was going on there, and some may have pushed pushed harder to try and um, get more troops in or appointed more funds and resources to the military to uh, be more powerful, or some may have pulled out before it even got to the stage of um, uh, lots and lots of death in there. So I just think while he did play... Uh, a certain role in in some key events throughout the Cold War. I just don't think he was as impactful as Truman or even Kennedy. Okay, right, Tom. What do you reckon? Yeah. Also, in the in the other debate we did about the um, Soviets and whatnot, Mark was really pushing for Khrushchev on the fact of the like the tension and whatnot that was going on in Khrushchev's um, I don't know, term in the Cold War. And so on the other side of that, whilst I didn't really agree with Mark about Khrushchev's side of it, I feel like Kennedy had a lot of a impact and sort of um, led to a lot of, I don't know, victory for the United States in that part of the war. And still, um, you know, it's, it still had the same tension as what Mark was talking about and things like, you know, the fact that there was this constant fear of mutually assured destruction. Um, there was high tensions and Kennedy was able to not only like sort of reduce these tensions and alleviate some of the sort of threats of MAD but he was also able to I know put the um put the United States in a position where they could get ahead and where they were ahead in some circumstances. Radio. So LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, Kennedy's been assassinated and now Lyndon B. Johnson's going to uh, take over. He's then elected properly with a very large majority. He's a very um, he's a very seasoned statesman as well, and he's more focused on domestic policy. Like to be honest, which his major push for the Cold War um, would be a escalation in Vietnam. Now he doesn't escalate in Vietnam thinking that like. Like he wants to win, like he wants to be there longer because the advisement of his military advisors, like under Robert McNamara, who had great uh, success in the Cuban Missile Crisis, was, look, just go in hard. We've been like pussyfooting around in Vietnam. We've got 16,000 soldiers, ramp it up to half a million, start a massive bombing campaign, and these communists are going to give up. And then you can focus on your great society sort of program. So that's like bringing in Medicare for the first time. He did a lot for civil rights because America's also got its own civil rights sort of tensions with Martin Luther King and um, uh, Malcolm X going on at the moment. So do you think this choice that LBJ makes, because we know how Vietnam goes, it becomes America's like, scar like on history for its reputation do you think that this decision had a huge impact on america during the cold war that it's like 
Yeah, I'll, I'll start there. I, um, I think LBJ was. Uh, I thought when he got elected into into presidency, he was at a time of extremely high um, tension and and distraught due to the death of uh, Kennedy not being long before him. So, I think he was kind of put in a position where it was. Uh, he probably wouldn't have the overall support straight away from all the American people. So I think that's why he created the um, containment theory, although they obviously didn't want to allow um, other countries to be influenced by communism, especially Vietnam, and, and they didn't want to obviously lose that war. But I think the time he was in was... Um, are more focused on improving America itself and the and the laws and, and stuff going on in America instead of um, like these other um, presidents who were mainly focused on um, outside communism and communism, especially in Russia and, and surrounding countries like that. So I think he came in and he did um, something I don't think other presidents would do. So to be fair, he... he was good during his presidency, but I don't think he was most influential when looking at the um, overall events of the Cold War. I would agree with you. That's why he wasn't high on my list, like, either, that, like, he's a good domestic president. Foreign policy is kind of like what we're talking about for the Cold War. Though Vietnam sticks out as a really important point. Does Lachlan, do you think... This choice for Vietnam and then obviously the major implications that come from it, does that change your opinion at all or are you sticking with Kennedy? I'm sticking with Kennedy because, um, well, we also have Vietnam ended up, they ended up losing, so I guess it didn't really work out. So I don't think he had that much of an impact as he would have liked. So I'm just going to stick with Kennedy. Yep. And again, it like impacts like uh, opinion neutral. You know what I mean? When we hear it in a question, it's not like impact, like good or bad. We're just like, like most important impact or the scale of the impact. So, Tom, what do you reckon? Yeah. So I feel like, in my opinion, the whole Cold War is more about, you know, the knife edge tension and the sort of that sort of thing. And while the proxy wars and stuff did sort of, I don't know are sort of memorable and popped up a lot. It's not really the whole gist of the Cold War, in my opinion. And so I feel like LBJ just, I don't know, tried to focus too hard on the proxy wars and didn't realise that all the other little sort of um, political sort of um, foreign policy tensions, like tensions and whatnot that he had to focus on. Whereas with, say, Kennedy, he really understood that it was more about... um, you know, their leadership on the world landscape and their um, and their ability to negotiate with one another for advantage and whatnot. Okay. And it was more a show of power than um, power and sort of, I don't know, how, how each nation was able to handle tensions placed on them by the other nation rather than simply just, just a traditional war. Right, hey, Nixon. So Nixon, again, I think we've established he's probably not responsible for the moon landing. He gets to come in and he gets that like little prize. Um, he's also, I would give him the prize for perhaps being the most influential in detente. 
him and Kissinger and his uh, starting off with the SALT Treaty. So that's the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks, Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaties. Um, he does a masterful job in playing the communists off each other. That's the plan. The plan is that during this period of detente, I'm going to try to really wedge the United States money and power between this split that's happening between the Russians and the Chinese. And that's what you have with, you know, Nixon being the first US president to go and meet with the People's Republic of China. Okay, trying to curry favour with the Chinese and trying to really like divide this like communist force. Um, he's also the president who um, tries to who tries to bring in a policy of Vietnamization. So this is the withdrawal program from Vietnam. He campaigns on a policy of getting out of Vietnam, but to do so, it also means sending more troops, um, kind of like our recent withdrawal we've seen of the US from Kabul. So you have linebacker one, linebacker two, which is that we'll slowly move back the American defensive line, we'll give more weapons to the people of South Vietnam or the South, Viet South Vietnamese army, and then eventually we'll sign a peace treaty and we'll leave. And then eventually then you have the fall of Saigon and then you have all the images of people just trying to get out and pushing helicopters off aircraft carriers and all that sort of stuff, and it's just chaos. Um, so they get out, but very similar to what we're seeing in the present day. Um, you have the Arab-Israeli war that's happening as well. So America decides to side with Israel in a Middle East conflict, um, which has its ongoing implications because then the producers of oil in the Middle East are going to be like, oh, okay, so America's not with us, they're against us, and we basically have their throat in our hands when it comes to oil, so we're going to squeeze this, and this can then have a flow-on effect to a recession that's going to impact the United States. Um, so, yeah, I was actually in the beginning with my research thinking that Nixon, though he's not involved in any large-scale war, him and Kissinger, like, they are detente. I'm going to say that. They are detente. So, Sam, what do you think? Has that, like, layout of Nixon, is he the Cold War, most impactful Cold War president? Yeah, 100%. I agree with what you're saying there with uh, Dayton and how him and Kissinger are Dayton. With all the facts you just told me there, I think depending on the perspective you look at it, obviously when I come into this, I looked at it as who had the um, the most influ influential, like, laws and established, like, um, doctrines and stuff like that that impacted the war and the tensions. But if you're looking at the war as a whole, it, it wasn't probably something that was admirable, probably something that if we would go back in history, we'd probably try to avoid. Obviously, it did force a lot of people and a lot of countries into their um, ideologies that they're in today. But I think Nixon um, was implemented as president at the right time, I think, um, coming to the end of it, that the wars probably couldn't go on for much longer without it just starting to become repetitive. So, yeah, he did influence it. And I think 
yeah, that's kind of changed my perspective a bit and uh, thinking that maybe he was, he's definitely up there with, just depending on how you look at it, obviously he'd obviously be the most important, I'd say, in cooling off what um, other presidents before him have ramped up and have kept pressure, kept tensions with the opposing countries of communism. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, I will cede, obviously, that Tom brought out a good point that, you know, I think Nixon's on the dovetails of what was started by Kennedy, okay, in leading to detente, but I will still stick with my statement that I think Nixon is detente. Lachlan, what do you reckon? Has it changed your mind at all about Kennedy? So you're coming in with, you know, it's like brinkmanship is the knife edge, and I do not disagree with that at all. And I don't think anybody here, like, does. Um, but detente, like, it's the cooling off period and it's showing America can be smart and not just, like, a big dumb land army. So what do you reckon about that? Uh, I'm actually feeling a bit conflicted now that you've said all that because it actually, I actually agree 100% with that, of how they've cooled it off and, like, the tensions and the light were lowered. Yeah, I actually agree. So I'm not t- too sure now, like, who to pick from because I feel like Nixon is now definitely up there. Okay. Tom, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'd, I'd say Nixon is up there now too. Um, He doesn't quite have the sort of, I don't know, um, space race and arms race sort of, I don't know, um, attributes, I guess, and um, circumstances that Kennedy had. But he does sort of um, build that detente, um, that feeling of detente, and um, bring bring about a bit more um, openness and freedom and sort of easing tensions. And I thought, I guess that was really, I don't know, beneficial to the American side of the Cold War because over this period you could sort of see that um, Russia was starting to sort of, I don't know, break down a little bit. You know, the alliances and whatnot with China were breaking down. Their foreign policy was breaking down. Their economy was sort of um, falling to pieces, um, and I don't know. Russia, was, the Soviet Union, was um, falling from within throughout this sort of period in time, and so I guess that was probably a good call on Nixon's part to sort of let them let them go through all this stuff. And I feel like you know I'm still conflicted between Kennedy and Nixon, and maybe Kennedy's um, uh, leadership might be a bit stronger if he hadn't have been assassinated and he had have been able to you know, stay in power and do a bit more things. But you really put a good argument forward for Nixon being the most influential US president in the Cold War. And it's interesting. They got they got parallels that Nixon and Kennedy um, competed against each other and Kennedy won, like, originally. So Nixon could have came in a lot earlier and then you would have had a Nixon as president during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um and at the same time, Nixon might have done a lot more in continued daytime if he didn't have the Watergate scandal. But um, I wouldn't say the assassination is, is solely Kennedy's fault. I don't think it was his it was his influence to um, to get shot. Rest in peace. Uh, though Nixon, you know, he that was his choice for the Watergate scandal. And if you're not familiar with the Watergate scandal, it involved him sending members of his secret service to spy on his opposition that was found out about president in this day and age um i will preface the belief was that they are not above the law 
So it wasn't like, you know, kicking and screaming. Nixon's like, you know, I'm not going to leave the White House. Like, you know, my opposition are crooks. The bloke fell on his sword. Like, yep, caught me out. I've got to set a good example for the American people. Got on a helicopter and left. And then his vice president, Ford, which nobody remembers, um, which we're not even going to talk about, takes over. And then you have Jimmy Carter. Again, Jimmy Carter doesn't stand out a lot in the spotlight, but here's my argument for Jimmy Carter. So Jimmy Carter is more focused on human rights during his presidency. Um, He's also focused on trying to modernize America. So he's the first president to put, you know, solar panels on the White House. Um, He is looking to reduce nuclear arms, focus on global poverty, um, however, a bit hypocritically, he doesn't focus really on the areas of the globe that the United States has secret operations involved in. So he's happy to point out other areas where there's human rights violations, not the areas that where America perhaps could be doing something. Uh, he signs the SALT II agreement and he gets involved in starting America's sort of uh, support for the Afghanis, because now this is the point where the uh, the Russians are getting involved in their own version of Vietnam with the Soviet-Afghan war. But then Jimmy Carter's presidency goes to hell in his last couple of months because he has to deal with the oil crisis. So this is where Nixon's, I guess, choice to support Israel comes back to bite America. So you have an oil crisis um, impact the United States. This increases the cost of everything. The cost of gas causes a recession in the United States in the 80s, like huge amounts of inflation. So this is just bad, really bad for the average person. And at the same time, you're dealing with the Iran hostage crisis at the end of his presidency. So you have 52 Americans are taken hostage in Iran, um, basically calling for the death of them. Okay, and then Jimmy Carter tries to send in special forces to try to extract um, these 52 American civilians, and that 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 fails fails spectacularly. So he's a man who comes in with ideals for changing America. Um, there is a lot of points that he did achieve. He is recognised today as really um, contributing to human rights. However, the end of his presidency is just filled filled with failures or, well, things that he couldn't solve. So what do we reckon? Jimmy Carter, is he worth a mention on this list? Sam? Uh, I think to some extent he is, yes, but uh, his overall impact, I don't think, is enough to look at him as a severe threat to the most influential in the Cold War. That's fair. Uh, Lachlan, what do you reckon? Did I convince you? I didn't didn't feel like I was convincing myself. Yeah, I don't know. He just, yeah, it didn't sound like he had much influence, so no, I I I don't think he classifies. Yep, Tom. Yeah, it just sounds like a bit of a in-betweener sort of, like um, Brezhnev in the Soviets, like 
just just a president that came between some of the more um, influential ones. And we've got Reagan. So Reagan, you know, our president we have who gets all the kudos for ending the Cold War. Here's my uh, here's my argument for Reagan that if I wanted to think what is his impact other than ending the Cold War, um, because I think a lot of the kudos goes to Gorbachev, actually, not Reagan, that he really starts this, I guess, creation or this image for what America is going to be after the Cold War is done. So he escalates the Cold War as soon as he comes in on his Republican platform and he unites with Margaret Thatcher, with the, with Great Britain, and they decide that what they're going to do is they're just going to throw the Cold War back in the fire again, start calling out the Soviet Union as the evil empire, and um, really starts to put them under pressure. So all the, I guess, arms production or the missile production that got cancelled or paused under Jimmy Carter, uh, Reagan's going to revitalise it and put life back into it to put pressure on the Soviets, who are still stuck in the Soviet-Afghan war. He comes out with ideas which, you know, were probably pretty theoretical, um, like the Star Wars program, again, putting even more pressure on saying that they're going to use lasers to shoot down any type of missile, and this is going to give us a technological edge over the Soviets. So it dramatically tips the balance whether or not it was a bluff. Um, it was probably seen as being pretty credible. Um, what I mean also by him changing America to what it would become in the way that it would conduct itself for the next couple of decades is that because you have the scars from Vietnam, Reagan puts a lot of money into the CIA, puts a lot of money into supporting countries and dictatorships around the world, most importantly in his own backyard, to try to stop the spread of communism without putting US troops on the ground. He doesn't want to repeat of Vietnam, but what he's happy to do is he's happy to set up training camps. He's happy to give money to the CIA to train up, um, I guess, populist dictatorships in mainly South America, so in places like El Salvador, in places like Guatemala, in places like Panama, um, the Iran-Contra scandal. So there's this evidence coming out that the United States in a back, in like a backdoor sort of way is giving money or is receiving money for selling weapons to Iran right after the, the Iran crisis that has just happened with the hostages. Um, but this is just going to be a, I think a bit of a change of pace for the United States as well. So that's, I guess my case I'm putting forward that not only does he set up the ground for ending the Cold War, which is a huge impact, which it just comes at the right time. He also sets up the playbook for what America would be would become for the next couple of decades, which is covert ops, not boots on the ground, I guess, until you have the war in Afghanistan. Did I change anybody's mind on that? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I personally, I reckon what you just said there is uh, Reagan did it. He came in and he sparked new life into the Americans, which they hadn't seen with their, the few prior presidents who had just gone past as they were more focused on like cooling down, which a lot of American people might have find um, disrespectful or maybe not like American culture because obviously throughout the beginning of history, they like to be involved in wars. They like to be dominant and be feared by other countries. So I think um, obviously you said that he can, he can be credited for the um, ending of the Cold War um, and the escalating of, of it when he first comes into presidency. So, yeah, I think uh, personally he's definitely up there, up there in the most impactful, especially when looking at um, the end of the Cold War and uh, America's uh, time in, in involvement in the war. Lachlan, what do you reckon? Did I change your mind or are you sticking with Kennedy? Um, I'm definitely going to have Kennedy... Nixon and Reagan up as my top three at the moment, but I'm just f- trying to figure out what to pick from out of those three because they all had like um, the most like influence and impact out of all the presidents during the time period of the Cold War and all that. Yeah, same dilemma I'm in. Tom, what do you reckon? Can you come in and maybe shed some light for people who are a bit on the fence at the moment for Kennedy? Nixon and Reagan, are you thinking in any sort of particular way? Um, I think I've got a bit of a rank going. I'd say first, Kennedy, still. Close second would be Nixon. Um, I don't know, th- third and fourth sort of region would be um, Truman and Reagan, just because, I don't know, Ray- Reagan's period had a bit of an impact on the Cold War and whatnot, but I feel like it was a 60% Gorbachev, 30% Reagan, and 10% like. Um, uh, crisis is in like Berlin and um, and with the, <sighs> the nuclear reactor, I'm gonna have to say that I can't remember the name, but um, oh, Chernobyl, yep, there you go. And Chernobyl, like there was 10% of those sort of crises led to the end of the war. So I feel like I know Reagan had a bit of an impact on that, and you know, he had impact outside of the Cold War, but in terms of the Cold War, he's sort of at a similar position as, say, Truman with, you know, um, yeah, just a little bit of an impact. And then you have the other presidents sort of all further down the list. No, that's fair enough. So we've all got to make a final choice based on, I guess, our own thinking and our own assessment. So we've got Truman forges America as a superpower after the Second World War. It is a superpower in its own right, but he, like, it's still very, it's very, like unstable. So he's got the atomic bomb. He orchestrates the Berlin airlift. He brings in the Marshall Plan, but he gets involved in the Korean War. Eisenhower shifts to an arms race and um, also ends the Korean War, but brings in the domino theory. Kennedy is our president who operates on an absolute knife edge with the Cuban Missile Crisis. He negotiates the well, he's a part of the Berlin Wall's construction and doesn't push back on it um, and perhaps maybe kicks off an early stage of detente. LBJ is focused on domestic policies, but also gets America 
well and truly entrenched in Vietnam. Nixon and Kissinger, they are detente. Jimmy Carter is a president who wanted to change America, but then got involved in a lot of crises he couldn't solve. And Reagan um, gets kudos for ending the Cold War and perhaps set America up for the dominant superpower that it's going to be after the Soviets are gone. So who are you going to vote for? You get one. You can change your mind. There's no shame in changing your vote after going through this whole discussion. So I'm going to start it off with you, Sam. Who are you going for? Yeah, look, I think the boys might have convinced me to, to jump over to the Kennedy side. Jump over to Kennedy. Radio Lachlan, what are you thinking? You said that you were being swayed, but... Um, but yeah. I might actually have to go with Reagan this time because he did set them up on a different path from what they were before. So I'm probably going to stick with Kennedy here. You know, he, um, he was dancing on the knife's edge with the Cuban Missile Crisis and whatnot, and, you know, he even, like, he managed to get through it without, you know, America getting too too um, injured by it. And then on the end of that, he ended up, like, sort of handing the knife over to the to the Soviets, which they then sort of led to them eventually collapsing in the end of it with this, you know, setting up detente and sort of by winning, by setting up the victory of the arms race and the space race for the United States, all the things that culminated in the end to, well, we began all the things that culminated in the end to the um, split of the Soviet Union. Rightio. I think that even though I had a lot of passion thinking about that Nixon, you know, was detente, loved the way that he, like, kind of operated, like, strategically. Um, and I think he did have some lasting impacts in, like, you know, trying to cool off. The result of that, like, didn't end the Cold War. It kind of, like, just chucked it in the freezer uh, until it got finally dealt with, with Reagan. So that kind of maybe diminishes it a little bit. So that brings it to my second choice, which is, yeah, I think it's got to be Kennedy. I think that Kennedy deals with the most important do-or-die moment of the Cold War. And, yeah, I think that's it. Kennedy's our winner. Rightio, thank you, listeners, for joining into our deep dive of US Cold War presidents. If you're a President Ford fan, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we, he just he didn't make the cut. But if you do feel passionate about that, make sure you contact us or put some sort of comment in with your reasoning as to why he was the best Cold War president. Um, thanks for listening to our latest episode. Um, I'm going to get the boys to sign off. So, Sam? Thanks, everyone, and I hope you learned something. Lachlan? Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Tom? Yeah, like, subscribe, share it around. Thanks for listening. Um, I'll see you on my next podcast. Oh, it's Tom's podcast now. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. We'll see you next time on the Modern History HSC podcast.